Well, uh, thank you very much, uh, DDG Mungiela. And uh, good morning uh, to the colleagues from the media. Thank you for being here. I know uh, you all want to be where the Christmas lights are being lit and all of the exciting things that are happening uh, now, but I'm really grateful uh, that you're here. I'd like to begin by uh, conveying on behalf of myself and the department our deepest condolences to the family, friends of my comrade, Mr. Jeff Deutsch, my former cabinet colleague and former ambassador of South Africa to Sri Lanka and Thailand. I also wish to express sincere condolences to the family of former Ambassador Johannes, who served at our embassy in the Vatican and other postings uh, in the diplomatic uh, service. I'm truly saddened uh, by the loss of these two uh, colleagues and uh, comrades. We called this media briefing today to reflect on the work we've been doing during the year 2022 to advance South Africa's foreign policy objectives. Our intention is to highlight some of the achievements we have made, the challenges we faced, as well as set out some of the activities of the year ahead. So for purposes of this briefing, we'll focus on the following. The incoming uh, chairing of the BRICS in 2023. Uh, secondly, the African Union, which remains our primary vehicle through which we conduct diplomacy and trade with the rest of our continent. Uh, we'll also focus on the United Nations, our premier international organization through which the world pursues peace and development. And then we'll speak to the matter of the strengthening of bilateral relations with key partners. I should also say that uh, 2022 was uh, also significant in getting a new DG, uh, uh, DG Dango, uh, who assumed office uh, this year. So as you know, uh, from 2023, exactly on the 1st of January, South Africa will become the chair of BRICS. This role rotates on an annual basis among the member states of BRICS and will be taking over from the outgoing chair, the People's Republic of China. Our main objective in uh, uh, engaging in the BRICS family uh, is to enhance the future growth and development of South Africa, as well as to strengthen intra-BRICS relations and mutually beneficial cooperation between our countries. South Africa will continue as chair to emphasize concrete cooperation that contributes both directly and indirectly to the priorities of a better South Africa, a better Africa, and a better world through our partnership with key players of the Global South on issues related to global governance and its reform, as well as development issues. A country that chairs the BRICS formation has the following responsibilities among others. Firstly, is to provide strategic leadership during our tenure as BRICS chair in close consultation with other members based on the chair's agenda or priorities and previously agreed upon BRICS decisions. 
Secondly, we have the responsibility to schedule, summit, ministerial, Sherpa, and other BRICS meetings and events based on consensus among the BRICS members. So you would know uh, there are various sectoral groupings within the BRICS family. Uh, we often have over 100 meetings uh, in a year uh, that fall under the various sector uh, uh, groupings. The third task is to undertake particular tasks relevant to the summit in consultation with other members, including selecting the summit theme, proposing the summit agenda or program, and submitting a zero draft of the summit declaration. And fourthly, we have to ensure continuity and coordination in BRICS work and activities, especially through our Sherpas or the Sioux Sherpa uh, form, formation, uh, which is a very active one uh, that has uh, quite a huge mandate of ensuring that whatever we agree as the program for the year is actually pursued and achieved. Also, the Sherpas play a key role in negotiating the content of the declaration, ensuring that the thematic areas are maintained and are part of uh, what uh, is the deliberations of BRICS. South Africa's membership in BRICS has, I think, contributed to further expanding BRICS geographic reach, representativity and inclusiveness. You would know South Africa has played an important role in encouraging the outreach role of BRICS and drawing in non-BRICS members into the summit uh, in order for uh, the leadership of countries in the specific region in which the CHE is located can uh, derive value from uh, the deliberations and the work uh, of BRICS. The BRICS countries now constitute the largest trading partners of Africa and the largest new investors on the continent. And the ex exponential growth potential of the BRICS Africa Economic Partnership is very well uh, recognized. Uh, you would know that uh, we are, as South Africa, going to be the chair that uh, is uh, uh, really confronting this uh, increasingly vocal demand for expansion of BRICS. It will be probably in our year's chair that the BRICS family makes the decision as to whether there's a BRICS plus, as to whether we, we expand. Then on the African Union, uh, we began at 2022, as is tradition, with our preparations for the annual assembly of heads of state of the African Union, which was held in Addis in February this year. Among decisions taken there, the Assembly elected 15 members of the African Union Peace and Security Council. We were elected South Africa alongside Cameroon, Djibouti, Morocco, Namibia, Nigeria, Burundi, the Republic of Congo, Uganda, Tanzania, Tunisia, Zimbabwe, Ghana, Senegal, and the Gambia. Those countries are the members 
of the AU Peace and Security Council. Members of the Peace and Security Council hold terms of two and three years, and they are all non-permanent seats, so we rotate. The presidency of the uh, Peace and Security Council rotates among its members every month, just as happens with the UN Security Council, and we as South Africa are due to assume the role of chair in February 2023. The Peace and Security Council is tasked with a number of responsibilities. Among them are to anticipate and prevent uh, disputes and conflicts, to undertake peacemaking initiatives, peacebuilding and peace support missions, to recommend interventions in a member state in respect of grave circumstances especially uh, uh, war crimes, a suspected genocide, or indeed crimes against humanity. It's also got to promote coordination between regional mechanisms and the African Union regarding peace, security, and stability on the continent of Africa, and finally must support and facilitate action of humanitarian support in situations of armed conflict or major natural uh, uh, disasters. Uh, I was really thrilled uh, this year as one of the summit, uh, uh, summits we held discussed the creation of an African humanitarian uh, fund and so gave life to one of the aspirations we had had for many years uh, in the African Union that we would be able to respond far more speedily in uh, situations of natural disaster or where there's need for urgent humanitarian support. Of course, the role of regional economic communities is especially important in support uh, of the work of the Peace and Security Council. So RECs such as our own SADC uh, is vital for conflict resolution on the continent and we need to ensure that we strengthen uh, the capacity of all regional economic communities uh, to play this uh, supportive, uh, coordinating role. We know that regional economic communities are closest to the action and must always be the first to raise alarm and act. And even in instances where we want to do much more on prevention uh, of war and conflict, it is the Rex uh, that must raise the alarm and help us uh, to have the Peace and Security Council actively uh, responding. You would be aware that in August uh, this year, South Africa relinquished its role as chair of the SADC organ on politics, defense, and security cooperation. But it's important to point out, while we are no longer chair, we are an outgoing member of the organ and so continue to play a role uh, in the Troika. The uh, organ is the mechanism uh, through which SADC addresses threats to Southern African regional peace and stability. As chair of the SADC organ Troika, South Africa and other organ members and the rest of the region continue to provide support to the Republic of Mozambique as our neighboring country combats terrorism 
and acts of violent extremism. In October and November, many South Africans will recall that our country was honored to host the negotiations for an agreement on the cessation of hostilities between the government of the Federal Republic of Ethiopia and the Tigray People's Liberation Front. The negotiations were led by the former president of Nigeria, His Excellency Olusegun Obasanjo, supported by the former president of Kenya, His Excellency Uhuru Kenyatta, and the former deputy president of South Africa, Her Excellency Pumzilem Lambo Nuka. The agreement signaled a commitment to ending the use of force to settle differences and disputes, and I believe confirmed the correctness of South Africa's principled position that we should seek to resolve differences through meaningful dialogue and diplomacy. South Africa believes that the agreement between these parties paves the way for the silencing of guns, not only in Ethiopia, but in the immediate region and throughout the continent. We said during the signing of the agreement that peace building is much more difficult than waging war. The real heroes are those who work toward building peace and sustaining it. We therefore continue to call on the leaders of both sides to work toward maintaining this peace by implementing the agreement in full. And we're very, very happy that we instituted the practice of a coordinating and monitoring role for the facilitators. I think this was absolutely important and I have noted its impact in that in the ongoing deliberations on implementation of the agreement, the facilitators have been an important voice of reason in assisting uh, the parties to reach uh, agreement on action. On the matter of South Africa and the United Nations, through the course of this year we've seen the United Nations face perhaps one of its biggest tests since its establishment as conflict broke out in February 2022 between Russia and the Ukraine. The preamble to the UN Charter states that members of the UN will practice tolerance and live together in peace with one another as good neighbors, that they will unite their strength to maintain international peace and security and ensure by the acceptance of principles and the institution of methods that armed force shall not be used save in the common interest and employ international machinery for the promotion of the economic and social advancement of all peoples. Article 24 of the UN Charter says that the 15 members of the UN Security Council, five of whom are permanent members, have the primary responsibility to promote international peace and security. We believe that the composition 
and functioning of the Security Council in its current form is not representative of the world we live in today and thus they are not in a position to discharge their main charter responsibility as we have all seen. The ongoing conflict between Russia and Ukraine has starkly exposed the inadequacy of the UN system and highlighted the need for serious attention to our repeated calls for substantive reform of the Security Council and indeed of the UN itself. Notwithstanding all the challenges facing the United Nations, we are one of the countries that continues to believe that this global organization remains the only viable mechanism through which the international community must strive for peace and common development. So while we call for reform, we don't want to remove the uh, United Nations as the premier multilateral institution. South Africa will continue to play an active role in the United Nations, including in its organs, such as the Human Rights Council. We were really honored and privileged in October this year when South Africa was elected overwhelmingly by members of the UN General Assembly to serve as a member of the UN Human Rights Council for the period 2023 to 2025. The UN Human Rights Council consists of 47 members who are elected directly and individually by secret ballot by the members of the General Assembly. The membership is based on equitable geographic distribution and seats are dis distributed among regional groups, with the Africa group having 13 uh, seats. And we were really honored to receive the highest number of votes of all the countries that had put their name forward to be elected to the Council. South Africa has undertaken to promote respect for the integrity and dignity of the Office of the High Commissioner for Human Rights. We will also support the Regional Office of the High Commissioner, which is based here in Pretoria. Our government has signed a memorandum of intent with the Office and we are currently processing a host country agreement with the OHCHR. We will continue with our unwavering position to advocate for a balanced, sustainable development program within the human rights framework as underlined in the Vienna Declaration and Program of Action. In this regard, our country will be one of the chief proponents of a balanced agenda of the Human Rights Council, which reflects, among others, the primacy of achieving the realization of the right to development, as well as moral human rights issues, such as the eradication of poverty and underdevelopment. On the strengthening of bilateral relations, I'm glad to report that the promotion of economic diplomacy is a necessary intervention given the domestic challenges facing South Africa, which as you know include poverty, unemployment and inequality.
improving economic and trade relations with many of South Africa's key partners will go a long way in attracting more foreign direct investment and creating jobs. I've been horrified to hear there are some of our colleagues who ask what is the value of diplomatic representation. And I get very amazed by this because as South Africa secures more foreign direct investment, it is those very diplomatic missions that are approached by international business leaders to find out more about South Africa, to find out about the value of investing in our country, and to eventually make the decision to invest in South Africa. So I believe that our diplomatic missions bring great value, and as I see an increase in foreign direct investment in South Africa, I know that our missions are representing our country really well and supporting its key development goals. During this year, South Africa ensured that existing structured diplomatic and trade mechanisms are activated with key trade partners such as China, the United States, Germany, the United Kingdom, Korea, Japan, Singapore, Nigeria, Kenya, Mozambique, and Botswana. I wish in this regard to thank our Deputy Ministers for their energetic role in strengthening bilateral relations. They've really done amazing work this year. So let me uh, conclude by indicating that I will lead a South African delegation to the second United States Africa Leaders Summit, which is scheduled to take place from the 13th to the 15th of December in Washington, D.C. I will represent President Ramaphosa, who owing to a busy schedule is unable to attend the summit. You will recall that the last United States Africa Leaders Summit was convened in 2014 under former President Barack Obama. 49 African states, as well as the chairperson of the African Union Commission, are expected to participate in the summit. The renewal of the US Africa Leaders Summit follows President Biden's intervention during the 34th summit of the African Union in February 2021, in which he underscored the U.S. commitment and readiness to partner with the continent in taking our relations to new heights. The Leaders' Summit will discuss three thematic topics, namely partnering on Agenda 2063, multilateral partnerships with Africa, to meet global challenges and promoting food security and food systems resilience on 15 December 2022. Particular leaders have been asked to speak on one uh, of uh, these themes. I will deliver remarks on the first theme of partnering on Agenda 2063. On Tuesday, the 13th of December, the following events will take place as part of the summit. There will be an African and Diaspora Young Leaders Forum 
in which young South Africans have been invited to participate. It will be held under the theme, Amplifying Voices, Building Partnerships That Last. Then there'll be a Peace, Security and Governance Forum under the theme, Delivering Democracy and Security Dividends. And thirdly, Conservation, Climate Adaptation and a Just Energy Transition held under the theme, Building Our Green Energy Together. On Wednesday, the 14th of December, we will have a US-Africa Business Breakfast Meeting, which will be followed by the inauguration of the United States-Africa Business Forum and discussions on a range of topics, which include charting the course, the future of US-Africa trade investment relations, growing agribusiness and partnerships to strengthen food security and its value chains and advancing digital connectivity through partnerships to enable inclusive growth through technology. President Biden will deliver a keynote address at the Business Forum on the 14th. Our delegation comprises myself, the Minister of Trade, Industry and Competition, Minister Ibrahim Patel, and senior officials from the Departments of Higher Education, Science and Innovation, Defense and Military Veterans, as well as Health. Apart from attending and participating in these events, I will also have bilateral meetings with some of my counterparts, both of the United States and other countries of Africa, and with leading captains of industry. Well, colleagues, as you would see, our engagement with the world is multifaceted. We are fortunate to have strong relations with all major countries and regions, and we are a significant factor in global governance matters. We remain, as South Africa, a champion for multilateralism, which is guided by the Charter of the United Nations and international law. We have stated very clearly to partners with whom we may have disagreed on some issues that when we apply international law, it should be applied evenly and not selectively. If we do so, it will then play its full role in holding all, including the most powerful actors on the global stage accountable and will thus become a platform for building peace. I would like to conclude by expressing the hope that a peaceful negotiated outcome to the current conflict in Ukraine will become a reality very, very soon. And I wish each and every one of you a peaceful and safe festive season, and I thank you. Thank you very much for being here.